It's time for faith and life to connect. I first go before God, working on who and what I am before Him and what He's calling me to be as a husband. Where our Christian walk meets our day-to-day life. Dealing with that baggage can mean anything from delaying the marriage to dealing with the baggage. For sure. And where it's okay to laugh a little. Meaningless days, I look at. <laughs> I'm looking at meaningless days and live happily with the woman you love, and I'm trying to figure out how they wind up in the same set. <laughs> We're not saying that the marriage is meaningless. Heaven forbid we say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. This is The Session with Tom Russell from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. What triggers your potential spouse? And that you guys both agree, yeah, they are triggers, and it is, as we grow, something we have to work through. But we're going to give you sort of the grace and space to do that. It is time for Faith and Life to connect here on the new Shine FM and on the podcast network at shinefmohio.com. This is the session, and I'm Scott here with Tom from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. Hello, yes. hello. Hello, hello. Today we are going to wrap up, maybe. Uh-huh. Our conversation. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> yeah, don't hold your breath about this one. But uh, we're going to try to wrap up our conversation about stinking thinking. Yes. And untwist our twisted thoughts about how we how we examine ourselves and how we think about ourselves. And we'll dig into all of that here in just a minute. But we have kind of a focal passage we've been using through this little this little series. That's right, Scott. Out of First Peter five verse eight. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We have to be sober-minded and alert because he prowls around. He he prowls around in our thinking. The battlefield of the mind, you call that. Yes, absolutely. So we're going to talk about the twisted thinking we have. The technical term that Dr. David Burns uses in the checklist that we've got here is the cognitive distortion. Yes. I feel like I need to sit up straight and put a monocle in my eye and a top hat and say that in a British accent. The cognitive distortion. Yes. Oh, really? All right. So we covered those last week on the session, so you can always look into the archive on the podcast network and go over those. But they included all or nothing thinking, overgeneralization, mental filter, discounting the positive, jumping to conclusions, magnification or minimization, emotional reasoning, should statements, labeling, and personalization and blame. And Dr. Burns goes on to what we're going to cover today, 10 ways to untwist your thinking. The first one, Scott, is identify the distortion. Dr. Burns encourages us to write it down. Write your negative thoughts so you can see which of the 10 cognitive distortions you're involved in. This will make it easier to think about the problem in a more positive and realistic way. It's interesting when we write it down, it's another form of bringing it to light where Jesus is and we can find healing. I see this an awful lot in the same thing as what you might do with um, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or something like that. You, you can't really deal with the problem until you admit that you've actually got a problem to deal with. That's true. It does show ownership. Then, and you're aware of it and you're owning it. It's huge. And you'd be surprised the number of people, when I have talked about that in session, you might want to do this, they fight it. They really don't want to. Well, is that a sign of not wanting to take ownership of it? I think it's a sign because they're ashamed of it or they feel a lot of guilt because they're having those thoughts. And so they fear bringing it to the light because they might be embarrassed in some way. 
But what's interesting is that's part of the healing process. And it's also part of the battlefield, the battle that goes on. The enemy doesn't want them to. He wants them to keep it in the darkness. You don't want to write that down. No, you don't feel good. No, don't do that. Yeah, he might be critical of it. Or if you write it down and you go, really? That's not what I think. Yeah. Well, just that in the process is healing. Yeah. And those who have, I agree, it's been very good for them. So we're going through 10 ways to untwist your stinking thinking. <laughs> is that that's, that's the right way to say that? That is, Scott. <laughs> it stinks, but it's right. <laughs> so number one, identify the distortion. Number two, examine the evidence. All right, you're, you're now the lawyer going on here, I suppose. Maybe so. So instead of assuming that your negative thought is true, examine the actual evidence for it. For example, if you feel that you never do anything right... You, you could, waiting for me to admit something there? What's your wait for? I was like, well, Scott. <laughs> I, yeah, I, that, yeah, I was hoping, but that's yeah, right. Yeah, uh, but anyway, you could list several things you have done successfully. So see, this is rational thinking. He's saying that examine, instead of assuming, take a look at the negative thought and evaluate it. Is it really true? The problem with that is that that thinking is... Uh, also present with that thought are feelings that make it challenging and difficult and sometimes paralyzed to, to examine it. Because it's hard to put into words what you're feeling right. is. Yeah. If in fact you were feeling well enough to examine it, it probably wouldn't be an issue. It's the feeling associated with it that we want to understand. So that's why it, it's maybe a little more challenging but again, if it helps identify the feeling and you don't want to feel this way anymore, now you've got your sights set on something you can work on. Number three, the double standard method. Here we go. I like this one. Instead of putting yourself down in a harsh, condemning way, talk to yourself in the same compassionate way you w- would talk to a friend with a similar problem. Isn't it amazing? I have asked Scott, when people have really negative thinking toward themselves, I've said to them, for an example, what if your daughter, what if your daughter felt the same way you felt or you feel right now? Would you say those things to your daughter? Oh, you should hear the responses. I'd never say that to my daughter. Exactly. There's no way I would. But what makes it okay for you to say that about yourself? Mm-hmm. Now you're meddling, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> now, we'll talk afterward. <laughs> I see this here, though, something like what when we've talked about peer pressure here. Right. This almost sounds like something where you can use the third-party way of talking to somebody. You can maybe use a third-party way to talk to yourself. Right. If I'm understanding it right, there's a method in psychology, a theory that was coined by... Gestalt, a guy by the name of Gestalt, and he called it the open chair. If you took a a chair in in a room and you pictured that person sitting in that chair, in your mind, can you picture that person sitting in that chair? Could you talk to them? What would you say to that person? So it is some like uh, third party. What would you say? Then they begin to bring to the light. It's another way of bringing to the light those feelings. Well, what if it was the person that you were in high school or in junior high that was felt so inferior, what would you say to them? Stop wearing the high-heeled shoes. They don't work. 
or the pointed ones I had back then, too. No, no pointed ones. No, no I, was, no, I was not a pointed ones. No. Uh, right. Yeah, wear more tennis shoes and be comfortable. There we go. All right, so we're talking about 10 ways to untwist your stinking thinking from Dr. David Burns. And number four, I, this one I find intriguing, the experimental technique. Wait, why don't we experiment with this, guy? Let, let's tinker with this, Tom. All right, I think we will. Do an experiment to test the validity of your negative thought. For example, if during the episode uh, of panic, you become terrified that you're about to die of a heart attack, you could jog or run up and down the stairs or a flight of stairs several times. This will prove that your heart is healthy and strong. It takes you to a place where you go, oh, you actually can have victory over this. There's one update tape uh, message I've been listening to from the American Association of Christian Counselors where the presenter actually said that she has done that, that they had a fear of elevators as an example. So they took this person with the fear of an ele- of elevators, put her in the elevator, hit the button, down she went, and then the counselor was down at the other, at the end on the uh, main floor when the elevator doors opened. And she experienced that feeling and the counselor worked with her right then and there. Now, now Scott, I'm not so sure I'm gonna do that at Heritage. Well, that's a very practical grassroots uh, right. therapy going on there they allow them to go to the point where it is stressful it's scary and then we work through it past research really talked about when you had fear of how could you ignore it basically more current research is when you experience it bringing it to light getting it out i think it's so important because let's remember what i teach it at heritage is that emotions feelings are energy. What do we know about energy is that energy absorbs energy and gets bigger. You don't get it out, it gets bigger until eventually it's gonna pop. It's a similar one with anger. When people would say, you know, it takes a whole lot to get me ticked off. (laughs) So they're stuffing it all this time Uh and then kaboom, the simplest little thing happens and they explode. That energy had built up to a point where it had no more room, and it vesuvied all over. <laughs> you you caught on to it finally. I was I was holding back, saying anything about Vesuvius. But good good for you, Tom. I could read, well done. Read your mic over here, Scott. <laughs> we'll be together a long time. <laughs> we've been doing this long enough now that yeah, it's kind of scary. <laughs> Now, I'm going to see if it comes up. I'm not going to say anything this time either. Okay. As we look at number five of the 10 ways to untwist your stinking thinking is to think in shades of gray. And I'm going to see if you use one of our watch phrases here. Oh, let's see. So although the method might sound drab, the effects can be illuminating. Instead of thinking about your problem in all or nothing extremes, evaluate things on a range of zero to 100. When things don't work out as well as you hoped, think about the experience as a partial success. I wonder what that catchphrase might be, Scott. Well, okay, you got me. Uh, the celebration of success. Yeah. So right. basically what this thing is saying is find ways to celebrate the successes you do have. Yes. And the most amazing thing happens if you do. You feel better. Scott, amazing. I'm just incredible. It really is. And, and people, a law of physics, I'm told, I don't, have not studied, but people have shared this with me, is what you focus on, 
whatever your attention goes to will grow. It'll get bigger. And that's where obsessions can take place. But I never stared at my, I never focused on my belly that much, and it's gotten bigger. <laughs> <laughs> wrong, wrong focus. Okay, uh, yeah, I think so. That's, that's a different thing. All right. Uh, yeah. Just, just thought I'd point it uh, that's, out. That's just interesting. It's uh-huh. a growing issue, Scott. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's going to be one of those shows again, isn't it? I see it. I see it going on. So your choice of words is so important. When we look biblically at that which comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. It shows the condition of the heart. Well, your heart, in in the name of Jesus, should be having the fruit of the Spirit very present in it. So it should flavor the words that come out of your mouth. It ought to be a blessing. It ought to be encouraging. But if it's not, that's Likely one way that we are processing our feelings is in our tone and in our attitude. And body language. There we go. Oh, yeah. Wanted, yeah, kind of the trifecta there. Yeah, that's right. All three of those All, are very huge. Yep. And how people respond to you is very much dependent upon those three things. Yeah. I lost a job once because the guy, my boss, was blind. Uh-huh. And I, you might not have noticed this, but I can be sarcastic at times. <laughs> Should have waited till you drank that water, shouldn't I? <laughs> Almost sprayed that water all over the panel, the control panel there, Scott. That would have been interesting. But he could not see my body language or right. the smirk on my face. He just heard the tone. And eventually, after after a few months of working with him, he fired me. Oh, my gosh. And as I've looked back at it over the years, probably that is why. Because he he couldn't take in the full range of what i was doing and what i was experiencing to him right he just said well i can't deal with this guy anymore number six in the 10 ways to untwist your stinking thinking is the survey method now i guess in a clinical sense i can understand a survey but unpack this for me a little bit oh sure i I think we should survey people and find out what they think about it so well that's why we have our facebook group the mansfield ashland worcester facebook group under shine fm ohio on facebook yeah you you may continue sure (laughs) so we ask people questions to find out your thoughts and attitudes for example if you believe that public speaking anxiety is abnormal (laughs) uh and shameful Ask several friends if they ever felt nervous about uh, before they gave a talk. Well, who so doesn't? Exactly. But in, and so there's some support when you hear, "Oh yeah, it, it bothers me." So we validate their their fear, and to some degree, that helps them feel better. That's what I was about to ask you. Is it good to validate a fear? Well. Okay, yes, but no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I I didn't help by asking the question is what I just learned. So we probably should unpack that. Not all fear is bad. Aren't we glad when we cross Lexington Avenue, we have a sense of fear? Okay, all right. Yeah, we're messing with a light switch or a plug. There's a certain amount of fear that we don't want to get fried. So some fear can be good. So to validate someone's fear of public speaking doesn't mean that we're just going to be okay with it. We're going to be codependent with it or enable the fear just to go on. No, when we validate it, maybe it opens the door to talk about 
this is what we can do to help it, or this is how I helped it. Okay, so if somebody can relate to your fear, right? maybe they're more willing to share with you about that fear. That, that's right. And more times than not, when we have fear and adrenaline is hitting our bloodstream, we don't breathe very well. And I've said it before, counselors talk about breathing a lot. People think that's the only thing they ever talk about is breathing. Well, it's kind of important, Scott. Uh-huh. I've yet to see anybody live without it. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Taking it in, taking it out. Yeah, that's okay. All right, right. So we've done the survey method number seven. Now we're getting a little more clinical. Define the terms. All right. So when you label yourself inferior or a fool or a loser, ask, what is the definition of a fool? You will feel better when you see that there is no such thing as a fool or a loser. I would go one step further. I personally do not think labels or labeling a person, period, is ever going to be productive or healthy. Let me give you an example. In a close relationship or in a relationship, someone lied. Are we going to call them a liar? How, how is that going to help? They told uh, something that was not true? Yeah, they did. And do we hold them accountable? Yeah, we do. But when you begin to label a person, it's very hard to get any impact on it. Here's another great example. Yeah, my child is lazy. And if you say it to that child, you're lazy, what happens to their self-concept? What happens to their view of themselves? Yep, I'm lazy, and I'll talk more about it after my nap. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Let me put that off, and that's a whole other thing. Yeah, and so I want to say that I think labels, unless they're, they're positive, healthy ones, probably shouldn't happen. All right, number eight, the semantic method. Now, this one you're going to have to unpack for me a little bit. Oh, sure. Simply substitute language that is less colorful and emotionally loaded. As an example, this method is helpful for should statements. Instead of telling yourself, I shouldn't have made that mistake, you can say, it would be better if I hadn't made that mistake. We're talking about semantics. We're talking about meanings of words, and are, are, are they really important? So the idea is kind of goes back to maybe the all or nothing thinking is to not to not put something in an all or nothing phraseology, give yourself some gray wiggle, some wiggle room. Yeah. Again, if you're upset, you're, you're hurt, you're fearful. And we're going to ask them a person to think rationally at that point. I don't know how well that's going to go when I'm mad. Um, yeah. No, you do. I'm not going to be thinking rationally. I'm thinking madly. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that email says. Yeah, so I'm afraid of that. <laughs> we'll talk later. <laughs> do words matter? Yes. Absolutely. Look at what James said about the rudder of a ship. That it can turn one direction or another, a whole ship, a little... little, little piece of wood sticking out the back. And it can turn it. So do words matter? Yeah, they matter. But what makes it okay for a person to use those unhealthy words about themselves? So in the middle of crisis, I'm not so sure this is going to work very well. However, when you want to feel better and you want to grow as a person, well, we might want to examine what comes out of the mouth because let's remember it proceeds from the heart. And what's the condition of the heart? All right, moving to number nine. We're almost there, Tom. Oh, my gosh. Reattribution. That's wow. an awfully big word for this hour of the morning. It really is. So we can attribute it to. 
Oh, oh wow, you were you're wound up this morning. Man, what's up with this? Oh, that's true. So instead of automatically assuming that you are a you are bad and blaming yourself entirely for a problem, think about the many factors that may have contributed to it. Focus on solving the problem instead of using up all your energy, blaming yourself and feeling guilty. I, I ask people, well, what's the worst that's going to happen if it doesn't turn out well? Well, I'll blame myself. I will get upset with myself. Wow. Really? When you stop and think about that, you're going to get on yourself. You're going to be angry at yourself. Oh, how's that going to help? And oftentimes that's rooted in, is connected to how a parent in their history would treat them. They internalize that at the time, if they were in sixth grade and they got treated bad, that method is internalized by the, their, the sixth grader. Then when that sixth grader becomes an adult, all of a sudden they realize, I've been treating myself that way for years. I've been treating them just like the way mom treated me. Not healthy, not gonna be good. And that's what you had to learn with the way that your dad treated you. That's right. Eventually, that came to the surface for you, and you had to figure that out. That's right. And then, gee, I might want to treat myself with respect and love, and that I am of value. I am our God's beloved son. You and I both were created in God's image. It's really important that we embrace that. So this is this is one of those ways you can untwist your thinking. That's the whole point today is untwisting the thinking that's making us think badly of ourselves and it's part of a series we're going through here on the session. We have made it to number 10, Tom. Unbelievable. I, I'm telling you, this is two weeks in a row we've made it to one through 10. Holy mackerel, Scott. I'm telling you, this is, this is worth going out to lunch for or something. I think so. We should celebrate yes. the success. Yes. You buying or me? Oh, I will. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Then uh, let's see. There's got to be a steakhouse in town somewhere we can go to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I can get a salad. Uh, yeah. All right. Number 10. I kind of call this one, it's actually called on Dr. Burns' list, the cost-benefit analysis. See, again, I'm not saying that right. Sit up straight. Yeah. The cost-benefit analysis. <laughs> For me, that's the the good and bad list. The good, okay, so let's check it out. All right. List the advantages and disadvantages of a feeling like getting angry when your plane is late, or a negative thought like, no matter how hard I try, I always screw up, or a behavior pattern like overeating and lying around in bed when you're depressed. You can also use the cost-benefit analysis to modify a self-defeating belief, such as... I must always try to be perfect. Now that part, Scott, I always try to be perfect. What do you, if you were perfect, what would you get out of it? How would you benefit if you were perfect? I'd be perfect. Well, what's that do for you? It means I would be at the top of my game, the peak of my success. So how would that make you feel? Good. Now how possible is this, Scott? <laughs> in my world, yeah. it's not. Well, and, and so see, if you were at the top of your game and you were celebrated, remember we've talked about how the top eight needs are met when we celebrate a person. So things like acceptance and approval would happen. Affirmation would happen. You would get attention. But why not have those without the stress and pain of having to be perfect? 
how do you get them without going through the stress and pain to be perfect don't you learn see i'm i'm, I'm really playing devil's advocate with i you was here. noticing that yeah. scott <laughs> <laughs> yeah the idea that you learn from the pain and grow through the pain so that you come to understand what that value is when it's all said and done so why is that a bad thing well why is it a bad thing because we are human we are not perfect people and striving to be perfect is oftentimes related to approval that we want approval in our life so our approval becomes conditional when we try to be perfect and we oftentimes fall just short of it but we are approved of we have been accepted by jesus and when we embrace that in our lives and we recognize that's the source that's where it comes from we are affirmed because he loves us and he and god has said how many times that he loves us that affirmation that comes from it it doesn't mean i have performed 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 times no i get it because there's grace and there's mercy what a blessing and scripture tends to teach that i think paul talked about this quite a bit that our approval does not need to be sought from man our approval comes from god Mm -hmm. so therefore why set ourselves up for man's approval and man's going to let us down there we have it kind of full circled it yes we did sort of yeah so why beat ourselves up trying to be perfect when we can receive from our god that he loves us that's affirmation we recognize our approval is in jesus who has covered our sin and we're not advocating here by the way that nobody has to try right right you you do try but your approval acceptance affirmation and things like that don't come because you were perfect set yourself up for success by setting yourself a goal that you can attain attain it celebrate the success then go to the next one what sounds to me like you've listened to the session before sounds like we've talked about this before (laughs) now tom at the end of this we can simply recognize yes there's a lot of flaws in our thinking and a lot of it's got to do with the way we're raised right you know sometimes the education system itself says you have to be perfect you have to have straight a's you have to be a nasa engineer no that's not the case right so maybe tom there are people that are struggling with this and you know as they're listening today they're like you know what i really do need to talk to tom about this how where's the best place they can start to get information about you and heritage you can go to heritagechristiancounselingministries.com and we will have the show notes for this uh, on the podcast network at shinefmohio.com and also local contact information for each of Tom's uh, facilities are going to be there for you as well. Thanks for joining us today on the session. 